From the high heavens to hell on earth, this week on The Hapless Heroes. I'm Dwonk. Hello, and welcome to an episode of the Hapless Heroes podcast. We interrupt your regularly scheduled programming to check in on our interns. And with this slightly smaller crew tonight, I am going to have the pleasure of introducing Dave as Arion Black. Good evening, everybody. John as Dr. Dedu. Ah, are we in a battle? Ah! Nicole debuting Dwonk Coppergrog. I'm not Dwonk, you're Dwonk. I'm Dwonk. Phil as Arasatra. I don't think I like this term, intern. And James as Stenton Crossbreeze. Who am I teamed up with tonight? Yeah, so... We'll get to that. Um, as you can tell, uh, I am sitting in the DM chair tonight. Uh, we're down a couple of our party members, so we thought, why not use this opportunity to do a smash cut to Calamity, as it were, um, while our heroes are sorting things out in the outer planes, in the realms of the gods. Um, we may have forgotten the absolute horror like like horror show that is currently happening in the prime material plane now we also did discuss time does flow a bit differently in the outer planes compared to down here so i'm setting the scene for this particular event right around the time our heroes um were transported to Caesar Southwind's domain and thwarted the plans of Ebenezer, or at least his, you know, the construct that was in his image. So this was the uh, exact moment that the heroes abandoned their entire Finished. ship in the middle of a <laughs> battle, sea well, battle. Well, the ship came much. with you guys. <laughs> oh, did Can't it? forget. The ships came with you guys. There was... So we, the um, the, with, the moment the heroes left everyone in the sea, <laughs> and not just in the sea, because if, if you recall, Ardwall itself, this like massive pirate city, right, that is sort of been built into like this the main island in the Kingdom of the Sea Lords. If you look at the map of Telduria, it's like the massive island at the southern tip. Um, you know, this has been one of the most well defended you know, areas, you know, on any coastline, you know, the, the, the denizens here are all pirates in some way, shape or form, but I've, you know, described them as highly refined pirates, but they are experiencing a hostile takeover on the likes that they've never seen before in their entire lives as Ebenezer is on a tear, uh, in search of the power that would transport him to 
Legradex. Um, I think if there's one thing that we've established pretty clearly so far in the campaign and the story we've been telling is that Legradex is a very important location as it seems to essentially be the door to every other plane of existence. Um, so obviously if that were to fall into the wrong hands or, you know, fall into the control of somebody who had nefarious intentions for it, probably wouldn't be a good situation for, you know, just everybody, period. But now that that plan has been thwarted, we're going to kind of smash cut to the airship, which is docked here, undergoing repairs in Ardwall while the city is under siege. There are the city of Ardwall. I don't even really remember describing necessarily its layout, but the city itself and the cove in which all the sort of the docks are is almost in like a crescent where like it's sort of, you know, crests, crests out down to the south, you know, from both sides curling in to kind of create a bay inside of this, you know, cove here. Um, that entire bay to the south is filled with ghost ships. Ghost ships? The city Jinkies. of Ardwall itself is being absolutely overrun by these soul-forged constructs that seem to be, you know, the, the handiwork of Ebenezer. And if you recall from the episodes we did during the, the start of quarantine with, you know, Sir Delam Rook and, you know, all that stuff in the Shadowfell Hondo and whatnot, you know, we learned that Ebenezer had been essentially stealing souls and harvesting souls from the Shadowfell, from, you know, uh, the, the deceased elsewhere to essentially power what would be assumed to power his undead constructs you know which and these are a far cry from the undead that you typically encounter the one the legions that seem to be under the control of vecna or the ones pouring south from Ul. so it seems you know there's, there's, there's there seems to be a disconnect almost between you know the undead that are attacking this city versus the undead that you guys have faced so far Nevertheless, the threat is very real, and people are, like, I mean, there's this absolute pandemonium in the streets. This being a pirate cove town and city, um, not a single citizen is running in fear. Everyone is armed to the teeth and trying to repel this invasion. Um, this It's absolute chaos right now. You guys are looking almost down from this, this spire where... Uh, the airship had been docked. It was sort of this, this large lookout tower that had been converted into essentially a, a, a docking station for your airship since, you know, it was the first of its kind. It's not like they really had the infrastructure to support, you know, a, a ship that's docked in the air. They're usually used to it, you know, ones that are in the water. Um, but four of you right now, we're going to say Arion Black, Dudu, Arasatra, and Stenton, are watching in horror as the city is being entirely and completely overrun by undead constructs. It doesn't really seem like the fight is going in the favor of the pirates, although they are doing their best to hold people off. In your immediate vicinity, there's not really any action happening, but you're not far from any of it, and you would have to descend down into the city anyways. It's the only way you have to go. The airship is actually still being repaired and cannot be sailed. 
Um, so that's kind of where I'm opening the scene. It's like kind of here in the midst of this like chaos, this invasion, and um, you know, like there's just the sound of cannon fire, uh, you know, coming from the south. You can, it's just, it's just so hazy and foggy here from like all the smoke from cannons firing, all of the, you know, just the, the doom and gloom and death and despair that's just hanging in the air. Things look dire. Arianne Black shifts the paper umbrella to the other side of his um, his adult beverage that he's uh, currently drinking. We're going to say it's some sort of daiquiri. It's in a highball glass, unfortunately. Um, pirates don't always have exactly the best of glassware. Um, he's currently wearing his uh, Tom Wolf white suit, um, white shirt, white cravat, white hat, and um, just sort of lounging at uh, the far end of the tower, occasionally glancing down to the carnage below and idly taking sips of his drink. Uh, for my own <clears throat> continuity purposes, uh, I'd say that Dudu had flown away from, what was the name of the ship? The Quinn ship? Uh, yes, the Overstar. Yeah. Uh, so I, w- once the battle had seemed like it had started, uh, Didu had flown away from the crow's nest because he was on that boat and found um, <laughs> yeah. and found the airship uh, and knew that he might be a little bit safer here, but he's not really sure w- w- how this is going to go. Um, and he's totally yeah, the battle uh, yeah. hasn't made its the battle hasn't made its way up to you guys yet. Um, one thing though, I will say real quick then, Didu, since right, you did had to fly over the city to kind of see what was going on. This is a pirate town. Some of the homes and buildings that, you know, kind of dot the landscape of this like large city that's kind of built into almost like a hillside that kind of comes down into a bay, right? Um, some of the homes themselves are actually just like ha- like the half hulls of, of scuttled ships. And even these homes that are built out of the hulls of these old ships have cannons still fitted in them. And people are firing cannons <laughs> from the windows of their homes to try to repel some of the, you know, invading forces. Like I said, it's it's absolute chaos everywhere. And these, you know, this city is not going down without a fight. One other thing to note, the leaders of the free world, of the living people, all of them, of every known civilization in the Southern Kingdoms are all here in Ardwall. Yes. Um... So Dudu is kind of on the deck of the being repaired uh, ship, uh, kind of waddling back and forth nervously, um, jerking his neck kind of back and forth as he's trying to watch what's going on below him uh, and anxiously wondering where the heck Pregnard is. I think Stenton's just standing there probably with his great axe, just ready for battle. But am I incorrect in assuming that we're all still sort of very much respectful of Arian Black? You well, might be. <laughs> you might be. <laughs> <laughs> to say, like on a sliding scale, I think Arasatra is probably the only one capable of seeing Arian Black for what he really honest to God is. And everybody else can, I don't know, be as scared as they feel like. Okay. So I, I guess I'd be playing like the VP role 
I'm picturing Stenton kind of standing next to him. Uh, just, just kind of like, chilling. Like the security guard type role? Right, right. Like, if he's like going to do security. something, I'm going to do something, but I'm not going to do something if he's not going to do something. I, for, I forget wh- who it was, but it's like uh, Jason Momoa's uh, bodyguard. <laughs> like, you look tiny compared to who you're guarding, but you're, <laughs> still, you're still there. <laughs> yes. That I mean, Stenton's, Stenton's a big dude. Yeah. He is a Goliath. So I'm just, assume. I'm just sort of waiting, but I've got my axe out uh, yeah. and I'm just, I don't know, lo- looking onward. Arian Black sets down his now empty glass, looking at it slightly disappointed. I appear to be out of rum. I suppose we're probably going to have to do something about it. We probably have some down there. I'm sure. It'd be a shame to see it wasted on the invading rabble. I'm not certain they'd even know what to do with it properly. All right. Well, I suppose we should go get walking, shouldn't we? Arasatra would look up to the crow's nest <laughs> where uh, Dudu would be sitting and say, well, it's better than being a sitting duck. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> Sick burn. Hawk. Um, wow. Okay. Good. Sorry. I was muted. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, as and, and as you're kind of okay, as Arian Black sort of finishes this thought, all of a sudden you sort of you hear this almost like galing, like gale force, like the sound of almost like a gale force wind, just just howl, and then like this this massive sort of magical explosion, and you see this torrent, like almost like a water spout, coming up from the bay and like swirling some of the the, the smoke around it and it lasts for you know a few moments and then all of a sudden it it it, it stops and then a booming i mean like like almost like the crack of thunder no just this like i mean literally almost like cracking through the air like thunder so we know what that was but our you the, pl- you, the players know yeah. what that was. Okay, our interns have no idea. This would have been the moment when Boris drank the water, and we transported to the elemental planes of water and air. <laughs> yeah. So now there's almost like like that 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 booming crack almost like i don't know it just it's sort of like you you felt it like reverberate like inside of you like this was this was there's something significant just happened and you can see this um that what follows shortly after is a pillar of green light green, green light. light what that <laughs> that um now like kind of 
it's like centered at like the in the center of the bay. Um, and it's just firing up into the air, you know, through and piercing through the mist and the clouds. In like a column? In a column. Um, and, and, then, and then shortly after, you see all of these almost like wisps of and trails of, of light starting to um, like swirl out and then uh, and surround it. And then they start firing off in all different directions into the city. And you can see like them impacting buildings. You can see them hitting um, even just like, you know, like, like just looking down, you have a pretty nice aerial view of like the whole, like a lot of the city, most of the city of Ireland, well, at least like the, the larger Bay Area. And like when, when these bolts are hitting the structures, they're not doing any st actual structural damage, but you can see almost like this, like something evaporate from them. Are we seeing any motion afterwards? Like, is there any anyone around these buildings at that point? Do we see any people? It's kind of hard to tell from up here, unless you, maybe you had like some sort of like you know like spyglass or something, you know, to 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 get a closer look. Hmm. I don't know if our if our Satra would go sneaking around the captain's quarters when she sees everything happening just to run and get a spyglass. She's more of the type that would do her own reconnaissance. Um, how would you do that reconnaissance? Well, she's no stranger to wild shaping, but mm -hmm. she doesn't necessarily want to just up and bolt just to get a better look. Well, I mean, you know, this is why y'all are together and can talk about these things. How close are the impacts to where we are on the dock? Um, you know, again, not the dock, right? You're, yeah. you're oh, we're on a tower. That's, well, I mean, like, we're, we're, we're docked. The airship at, dock. At, yes, airship yes, yes. Dock. Okay, I'm not the dock, like the bay. Okay. Um, how high up are you? Well, I guess, like, how close are those impacts? Are they all around us? Um, none, nothing has impacted super close, but just then, you know, another one of those bolts just shrieks over your head. This thing is massive. Like, like seeing, seeing how large one of these bolts are up close it almost takes up the entire, like, your entire vision as it streaks overhead. Like it just covers the entire sky. So they're huge. Like, as big as the airship or better. Mm-hmm. Just flying You can see it impact um, another tower just, like, you know, a, like a little a little ways away. And, another, again, just sort of this, 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 this evaporation. But you can actually almost hear, like, what almost sounds like wailing or screaming when the impact happens. And then you see all this this white, you know, and green mist. Green mist? Separating up <laughs> from the tower. And then that starts to travel back towards <clears throat> this column of light. Uh, Dudu is very interested. Oh, what? what's that? And uh, he'd like to do an arcana check to see if he knows anything about what kind of magic this is. Sure. Go for it. Uh, it's a 22. Even with a 22, this is unlike any magic you've seen before. That's kind of this, what I figured it would this, end up being. But this yeah. looks almost almost primordial in nature. Um, Still somewhat curious. He, he's watching the area. It hit a tower behind us. 
Yes. We'll say to the north of you. And no visible impact, like no damage to the no, tower. No, no actual damage to the structure or foundation of the tower itself. Okay. You can, you know, the shouts of, of people fighting and like the clanging of metal and like it's all just kind of sort of ringing down below um, where the majority of this, you know, sort of resistance and, and battle is taking place. Now, I mean, I should I should also mention, I mean, while these structures don't necessarily have any damage from those particular impacts, there's damage all over the place from like the cacophony of like just cannon fire that was happening between the ghost ships and the and the navy of the sea lords, right? So there were definitely cannonballs that had been, you know, had been fired into town and you know there are fires, you know, burning all over the place. Like this like I said, it looks dire. Things right. are bad. Do we know where the leaders are being kept? I mean, we know the summit was happening. We're at least aware of that, but <laughs> Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know if the interns would have ever really been filled in on where the rest of the hero, the main party, was going to, like, you know, the because it was you it wasn't a secret, like a hidden alcove, right? To kind of provide some privacy and a little extra, you know, sort of measure of safety, so they weren't really among the general populace. So you know that it, it's tucked away somewhere hidden, but I wouldn't necessarily say that you knew exactly where it was, unless one of your characters would have actually been informed of that by someone in the party. I don't know. Um. The do would not. Yeah, Arion Arion <laughs> Black would make it his business to know this sort of thing more than likely. And that's fair. I mean, that's kind of your was, job. He was probably there, but yeah, business or uh, information is not exactly his stock and trade, but adjacent enough. Yes. So you would know where they were being kept, and it's 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 um where the main bay and docking dock area is in the southern part of the city, right, where it reaches the coast. If you were to go to the east a bit more, still along the southern coast, but it's kind of tucked away into like this like rocky alcove is where there's this, like, it's almost like a private beach, um, but it's it's set off a ways from the, uh, the main city, and you actually, you know, in your reconnaissance efforts will say um, know that it has been warded to a certain degree with magic um, mostly to prevent any scrying efforts and things like that you know just just you know enchantments that would help keep it hidden for as long as possible <sighs> the room may have to wait unfortunately I suppose if someone's coming for this city, they're going to come for the prize inside, much as anyone attacking a cereal box would go looking for the toy at the bottom. <sighs> I don't get the reference. Cereal. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that um, many of you prefer your breakfast to be somewhat more interactive <laughs> fair enough now 
and generally detest playing the role of the shepherd. I come from the other side of the equation, but um, it seems there are some folks that might um, be the target of an action like this. Now, either they'll protect themselves or they won't. That's really not the sort of thing I concern myself with, but um, they make excellent bait if we're the sort who wanted to get into a bit of a scrap, aren't they? I'm feeling a little rusty. I've grown bored of this tower. Perhaps it's time to stretch my legs. And Arion Black makes for the stairs and starts walking down towards street level. Casually. Yeah, Whistling so a little tune that, as he walks. Right. The way that this city's laid out, I mean, there's like a lot of different series of stairs, right, that kind of wind and take you down... Um, you know, to sort of the, some of the main areas of the city, some of the different wards and whatnot that exist here. Um, you know, each, you know, you go down like maybe a few flight of stairs, you reach a plaza, right? Then you kind of keep following the, the road and it takes you to another set of stairs to start to wind back down the mountain. You're, you're starting to notice so that as like, you know, a lot of people are starting, you know, have have already started to exit their homes if, if if they have not already exited their homes and are like making their way down, you know, like weapons in hand. You can see some of them holding um, like just I mean, like, I mean, they're, they're, some of them are even like half dressed like they've, they, they're they just they're just springing to action um, from like every every doorway and window. You can see people are are trying to like make their way down to, to assist. Um. Something else you notice uh, as you start to descend a little bit further, you're starting to see, you know, some 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 smaller fights and, and melees and scraps starting to happen between some of these again, Soulforge Automata and the pirates. But one person seems to catch your eye as well. They don't look like much of a pirate unless you count how much they're swaying around like one. You see right now a single dwarf with a keg slung around their shoulder. It seems to be like I guess almost like a small portable keg that they're almost wearing like a backpack. Um, swaying and almost like you know, like almost like this is that they had just kind of gotten out of the bar and is surrounded by three of these automata and they seem to be like just squaring off with them. This little dwarf. And I'm going to have everybody roll initiative. Including you, Dwonk. Uh, go minus one. Uh, go minus one. Ah, good night. Ah, good night. Oh my god. Here we are. was a plus five. I just want to mention that. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> you did, don't have to say that. Um, Arion Black has a twenty-five. I'm going last. Twenty-five to do. Twenty-three. Dwonk. Six. Oh God! And you're a monk. Uh, I rolled a two. 
Arasatra. Seven. Stenton. Seventeen. Nice. Ooh, you're not going last. <laughs> Bam! Hey, get those low rolls out on initiative. Uh, you do or you don't. <laughs> okay. We got here a... Okay. So. Arian Black, you are first. Now you can see that... Some of the people that you had been following down are engaged in their own battle, not too far from here, but they seem to be holding their own for now. The main sort of, I guess, action seems to be with these three automata that are surrounding this dwarf. Okay. Well, we are going to start um so the three automata are surrounding the dwarf what kind of range are we talking about between us as the party approaching so you know yeah yeah them? so you started to notice it and i'm going to say right now currently you guys are about 75 feet away from the action okay arian black continues to walk at walking pace continuing to uh very almost just barely audibly sing a little ditty as he's uh walking nothing in his hands uh at this point and um you just kind of hear uh you know something um as he's uh walking up and um moves his normal 30 feet closer and uh let's see we use oh what's the name of that invocation armor of shadows to cast uh, mage armor at will so we're just going to tack three onto the armor class and uh, let's see, bonus action, dash, disengage, or hide. Um, yeah, well, um, yeah, might as well tack on another 30 feet with the cunning action to, quote, dash, which is just going to be uh, continuing to uh, stroll through uh, the chaos unperturbed. Like Almost Michael Myers walking. Action. Yeah, Michael Myers yeah, dashing. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. All right. He always excellent. got his guy. Now, the area that we're working with here is not super large. This is like a very small plaza where you're kind of surrounded by homes on either side. There's a road that just kind of runs through the center. It's just that the plaza's expanded a bit, and there's, you know, what would have been maybe some sort of open air, you know, meeting place or maybe a market or whatever, but it's now just, I mean, it's just kind of tattered stones are broken everywhere. People are kind of fighting you know, down below and not far from you guys. And, um, yeah, these automata still seem to have their focus, uh, solely on this swaying, almost like drunk dwarf to do. Uh, I just want to also clarify that to do was not really walking with everyone, more like flying and then perching and then waiting and then flying forward a little bit more and perching and waiting. Um, so he'll fly up, forward about 20 more feet and perch on whatever some rubbly building uh, and use polymorph uh, on one of the um, 
automaton and has to make a saving you throw, intelligence saving throw. Unfortunately to do, the spell fizzles entirely, even though it fails its save. It, it, it would appear that it seems to resist any sort of change to its form. And for the audience there, it's using its uh, ability of immutable form, making it immune to any spell that would alter its form. Okay. So it still continues to look like, uh, what was it, TikTok. But I'm sure it feels like a frog. (laughs) It does not. (laughs) It's a construct, so I'm not entirely sure it feels anything. In its construct heart of hearts, construct hearts, it feels like a construct frog. Again, doesn't have a heart. (laughs) Um, so unfortunately, the spell fails. Oh, that usually works, huh? <laughs> this usually works. <laughs> any bonus actions? Any other things happening for you to do? Uh, no, not right now. Well, then we are moving to Stenton, who, unlike Hoblet, is not going last. Right, fucking a right. Um, as one who would like to put on a show for whoever is watching or whoever might be watching, um, all I can picture is Negan, but I think somebody else did it too. Like, I'm just going to drop my great axe on the ground and walk up with Aryan Black, but like dragging it so that they can hear me coming. Okay. So it's just like I can go. I'm going as far as Aryan Black is going. I can go further, but I'm not going to. Okay. Okay. And I'm dragging the great axe the whole way. Just, just to make a scene. Just so they, yes, yeah. Okay, understood. It's a big axe. All right then. Uh, so n- nothing else though. You're not doing anything else on your turn. Just, just kind of just preparing. Right. Right. Ready to roll. Ready to roll. Um, Goes first, and all he does is move. So you moved 60 feet up then with Mr. Black. Yes. Okay. Yep, only got 15 feet to go. Okay. Uh, Ending your turn? Yes, ending my turn. Okay, the automata still have their gaze fixed solely on our um, hapless dwarf here. And they are going to start swinging wildly at you. And you can see that as they're like winding up to swing, like the, like this, these, the, their clockwork form, like you can come and see that their fists start to like, some of the gears start to turn and they actually become like chunkier. Like almost like like just massive blunt instruments, uh, and they try to make several swings at you, Dwonk. So we'll do. Um, each of them is going to make two attacks against you. So we'll just start. We'll just do one, two, and three, right? So number one will swing uh, wildly. I I mean a ten's not going to hit, but I think a twenty-four will. That is correct. Okay. Bad boys. 
Okay, that's eight bludgeoning damage. Okay. Number two is going to miss with the 17, right? It does not match your armor class. That's correct. You're at 18, if I remember correctly. Yes. Okay. And number three is going to actually use one of one of its... Uh, these things are like, you know, seem to be big brawlers. It's going to try to attempt a knockout punch. Unfortunately, that massive haymaker misses you just barely as you just kind of like you're you're just swaying around drunk and these things are just like missing you because your movements are so unpredictable. And uh, with with that third one, with the attempted knockout punch as as a reaction, um, this dwarf is going to sway back so far you would think it was almost impossible, causing number three to hit number one. Oh yeah, what's that? What's that called? What's that? Uh, t- uh... Tipsy sway. All right, yeah. Read me that. Read me the text on tipsy sway. Uh, so one key point as a reaction of mist and melee attacker instead hits other I see within five feet. Perfect. So uh, spend your key point for that. You still have plenty left. Uh, yep. And it's going to. So it's now hitting its friend. Does it have to make the attack, or is it? It just hits another creature within five feet of you. It just says that it hits. Oh, you love to see it. You yeah, instead it hits another. Oh, you love to see it. Okay, so first it's going to deal... We're going to say it hits number two. Hits number two for... Um, math. Okay, it hits it for seven bludgeoning damage. And then... Um, an additional 2d8 force damage from that powered strike. So it takes another 8 force damage. And now has to make a con save. No, it doesn't. It's immune to being knocked unconscious. So <laughs> it just oh, just like takes this like rattling shot. Like you almost you just almost like just completely redirected this knockout blow to another one of the automata and like you just see like some of the like it like it literally is dented now in its facial region um you can still see like you know and it's like i think remember there was like almost like these little portholes like in their chests were like this like almost like these swirling like like little beams of light are uh are still kicking around all right and now we are on to arasatra Arasatra sees somebody in need, outnumbered. Um, she is going to get within range and cast haste on this little dwarf holding a keg. Oh my god. That's amazing. And we she's ho- she's hoping she's hoping she can make use of it. So I'm gonna concentrate for up to a minute. I have to be within thirty feet. So I'm I'm running up there. If I can get within thirty feet. See, we're 75 feet away, so moving 30 feet closer would be uh, 45 away. 45. Damn it. <sighs> okay. All right, plan B. Uh, she's going to cast Moonbeam. 120 feet is the range, but she's still moving forward. Yep, okay. She's going to cast this. It's a second level. She's casting it at fourth level. Okay. 
What is the target? Uh, one of the one of the automata that I would say, if there's one like behind this dwarf or like uh, on like a non-favorable side, whatever side he's carrying the keg on, you know. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, this is a five foot, five foot radius, forty foot high cylinder. Okay, so you're essentially just centering it on the. We'll say number three is behind. Yeah. Um, Dwonk. Yep. Okay. When a creature enters the spell area for the first time or starts its turn, there is engulfed by ghostly flames that cause searing pain, and it must uh, make saving. a Constitution saving throw. Uh, Nineteen. Okay, that passes, unfortunately, but it's still going to take half damage. Okay. And it's four D ten. So it was 18, so 9 is what it's taking. Okay, number 3 takes of radiant radiant damage. Yep, and on each of my turns, I can use my action to move the beam 60 feet if I want Up to. 60 feet, yeah. But if cool. it stays there and it stays in the beam, it takes the damage again. Which it will, because it's going to start its turn in the beam, so. Great. Okay, nice. Well done. And that's all she can do. I've no bonus actions. I've looked through my entire spell list and I have nothing yeah. prepared for the druid that I can do on a bonus action. Well, not to mention you already cast a leveled spell, so you wouldn't be able to cast another one this turn anyways. But like wild shapes in action, like all the other stuff that I can do. Totally yeah, different. you know, druids are a little different. They're built different. Uh, <laughs> she would at least try to shout something at this dwarf, but nothing's coming out. <laughs> She casts this moonbeam down on the guy. Like, I'll save you. Yeah. Well, speaking of a person who actually probably doesn't need any saving, Dwonk, it is your turn. What do you do? Dwonk is glaring at automaton number three and holds his keg up from his waist and while maintaining the glare at automaton number three without blinking, just presses down on the little spigot of the keg and drinks like several deep gulps before then taking the keg and slamming it into the automaton's face. So you're making an improvised weapon attack? Yes. Okay. Now we did talk about this, right? This is not a monk weapon. Oh yes, this one isn't a monk weapon. Yeah, so um, I'm going to smash him with my hammer fist instead of the keg. Yeah, so I should describe this for a second. I don't think we actually, I don't think I called this out when I was describing your character. Okay, so I mean, I, depending on how close everybody is right now, they it, it's going to look like I either drop the keg and hold up a hammer, or if they're close enough, I'm just going to hold up an arm that is a hammer. It starts as arm, and then just below the elbow, you see some sort of, like, strapping, and then the end is what looks like a dwarven forging hammer, basically, that would be used to craft, like, you know, daggers or, like, smaller weapons. Um, and I, I, I take this hammer, and I slam it into the automaton's face. Alright, yeah, so you get two attacks per action, so make your two attacks. Are they, okay, they're both with the hammer? The second one's yes. not unarmed. No, you make you can make an unarmed attack as a bonus action because you are a monk. Okay. And 
And then if you used a key point to do Flurry of Blows, you'd make two unarmed, unarmed attacks after this as a bonus action. And then, okay, I don't have to decide how many charges I'm using until after with the harm hammer. Okay. So the first one's a 23. 23 definitely hits. Ooh, second one is a nat 20. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, why don't you, why don't we start with the first hit? So with this hammer, that is part of my arm, um, it, it functions like a plus two light hammer. It has 10 charges, which it can regain some of at dawn. Um, with that hammer, when I hit somebody with a melee attack using it, I can expend up to three charges at a time. Uh, for each charge that I expend, the target takes an extra 1d6 force, uh, force damage. All right. Um, so on the, on the first hit, are you expending any charges? Just one charge. Okay. So let's roll up that damage. So is that, like, that charge is in addition to the damage that it's already doing? It doesn't use a charge every time I smack something with it? Yeah, you choose to spend the charge to deal the extra damage. Okay, so after I hit something, sorry, just <laughs> making sure I understand yeah. the hammer. When, I can when, still hit things more than hit. ten times a day, then. Yes, when you okay. hit, you can just choose to expend some of the charges to deal extra damage. Okay. It's just like a, a trigger that happens on, on hit. Cool. So the damage for the first hit is not great. Ten. Ten total, or is that... That's total. It's including the extra charge. So ten bludgeoning and force. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to make yeah. a difference here because it's So six magical. plus four. So, okay, number three takes ten from the first hit. Now, you crit. Oh, yes. I rolled a 56 damage, and that required no math. <laughs> you absolutely annihilate this thing. Would you like to describe um, how number three goes down? Uh, yes. So I hit it the first time with my hammer arm from the chin down. Take a moment to take a large swig out of my keg and then come crashing back down on like top down on the automaton with my hammer and the hammer just like goes right through the thing's head and I pull it out through the chest with little like cogs and everything falling all over the ground around it. Yeah, you can see some of the like what appears to be maybe the souls so the energy trap within evaporate up and then start to wisp its way now back towards the large column of light in the to the south. Um, you still have a bonus action. And you, since you took, since you made an attack, you can make an unarmed attack as a bonus action against number uh, one or number two. You're just kind of swinging, swinging your body around. Yep, I'm gonna turn, turn towards number one, but then drunkenly slap number two. Perfect. <laughs> Let's make the make the attack roll. Well, um, it's a glancing blow. It doesn't really do any damage. You kind of like you almost like try to backhand it, but it just kind of clanks. Your knuckles hurt a little bit, but you know you're probably too drunk to feel it anyways. All right, moving back up to Arion, Mr. Black, you just saw uh, this dwarf absolutely crush 
um, one of these automatas, like with with just like the f- and this hammer almost like glowing with like energy as it just came down with a righteous force. This uh, this what appeared to have been a drunken dwarf is much more than just meets the eye. All right. Um, so one and two are both at least mildly damaged, correct? One has not been touched. One has not been touched. Okay. Arion Black is going to continue walking in his straight line, still lightly uh, singing slash humming his little ditty. And he's just going to walk in a straight line right behind and almost past number one, singing, Hi-ho the Dario. And as he passes behind number one, he hits the last line. A hunting we will go. With the word hunt, the scythe of the reaper appears from nowhere, and he just drags it on almost right through where the spine of this thing would be. Just popping it like from the ether as he just walks on by. Um, Would you say that the automata would be surprised by this? Um, it's engaged. No. Okay. But Smart. it does, it is engaged with an ally within five Oh, yeah. Feet. No, I, yeah, I, I know about that. But I was, you know, can't have my autocrits if I don't ask for them. <laughs> no, this will not automatically. Okay, crit. that's fine. It's still two attacks with, uh, you know, a formidable enough weapon. Let's see. And that's going to be, let's see, an 18. 18 will do it. Okay, good. And the other one after that, which would be a 24, would also do it. 24 also does it. Yikes. All right. And those are... um, The packed weapon is, at its base, a uh, Vorpal Scimitar. So it starts with just 1d6. Mm -hmm. All right. So the first one is, let's see, 5 plus... Eight for the bonuses plus another five. Um, let's see, life drinker. I think that's necrotic. Does it take necrotic it damage? It is resistant to, but not immune to, necrotic damage. Okay, wonderful. So it takes, uh, let's see, our five plus eight, that's 13 plus two, because that rounds down. So let's see, that's 10, 15 off of the first attack. Okay. That's going to be a 3 on the die, so 3 plus 8, that's another 11 plus 2, so that's 13 on the second. Plus our 3d6 sneak attack damage, which is going to be another 7. Okay. And, uh, yeah. And then as our cunning action, we will disengage in the form of Arion Black literally not breaking stride and walking 15 feet on past. Not even looking at the uh, automata that he just whacked twice with uh, with Death's weapon. Yeah, I mean, this thing took a tremendous amount of damage. You can even see, like, is the even though it does absorb some of that necrotic damage, the, you know, almost like brass or like whatever metal these are constructed out of begins to almost like patina. Uh, Doctor Didu, it is your turn. Um, <clears throat> so I suppose 
Dr. Dudu, knowing that he can't transmute these things uh, or polymorph these things, um, and there's only two of them left, he will just hit the other, the one that um, Mr. Arian Black did not just stab multiple times. He will throw uh, one of the acid arrows, Melf's acid arrows, at the other one. <laughs> Nice. Um, hey, you know Melf personally. He's an old business colleague of yours in the project. <laughs> yep. You do uh, this with your beak. <laughs> right? You're not you're not the kind of Aarakocra that has arms and wings. You just have wings and you can just do everything with this long beak that you have. I think how how did we decide um I, I thought we decided that Dr. Dudu had like fingers on the ends of his wings. I can't remember exactly if we determined. I, I don't think he has. He he has fingers, but they're like at the very like uh, almost like pterodactyl. They're like they're like they're like I I, I almost want to think of them as like feather fingers. Right, right, kind of kind of like that. Because you're grabbing everything with your face. Like I I don't really ever hear you <laughs> like manipulating no. things too much with your hands unless you're just like holding something out and like, cupping them in your. You know, yeah. as funny as it is, those fingers are your last physical trait of your humanity, because sure. other than that, you are full on goose, right? To to Which somebody person? who to some yeah to somebody who didn't know better, they would just look like feathers on the yes. the, the end of the wing. Why but don't we they, say that? I they do that. they do kind of function. They um, are you have very soft hands. <laughs> right. Um, I hit with a 27, and that's yes, sir. 44. 44? That's a lot of damage. <laughs> Those soft hands hit hard. It's not that much damage, actually. It's actually just five damage because I rolled a special <laughs> one. <laughs> Against uh, number two? Yeah. Four, uh, 44 to five. <laughs> it takes five acid damage. Um, and then the next turn, it takes uh, 2d4. On each, like on, at the side of its turn? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, speaking, uh, anything else on your turn to do? Or no. Good to go. Um, so that's the end of Dedu's turn. Stenton! It is your turn. I totally did not skip your turn before, and that totally did not get cut out just now. Do you want to check the order to make sure it's my turn? Oh, yeah, you, it's, it's you. At okay. 17, it's you. I'm going. So, kids at home, make sure to read your f***ing character sheet. Guess who has advantage on initiative and could have rolled another dice to see if he could have moved up an initiative? This guy. Guess who didn't do that? This guy. Anyways, we're fucking shit up. Uh, the okay. one that uh, Arian, Arian hit up, I'm coming in. I don't want anything to do number, with the acid. Number one. Yeah, I'm coming number in. One. Hot, <laughs> hot with the great acid. <laughs> and I am going to use my reckless attack feature. Um, sure. Are you raging? Uh, I probably should. Why not? It seems like I should. I feel like I should. It's up to you. You have plenty I mean, of these to use. Right. I never but reckless, have been a, a fighter. Reckless, reckless attack does not... This is a barbarian, not a mm, fighter. Right. Um, reckless attack does not require you to be raging before you use it, right? 
Correct. Okay, yeah, so if you just want to do a reckless attack, that's totally cool with me. You don't have to rage. Uh, I get a bonus, though. I don't have the barbarian table. Oh, is that in my book? It is. Okay, I'll find that then. I'm learning how to be a fighter. A barbarian. Um, a barbarian. To me, he's a fighter. He doesn't cast spells. Whatever, with the, the popular nomenclature. But I attack at advantage, and I get attacked at advantage. Yep, I understand. Reckless attack. Let's go. hey oh! I believe if one of them shows a 20, that's a good thing. That is a very good thing, yes. Oh, shit. Okay. Dude, I do... Fuck, why did this have to happen? Not that this is a bad thing, but I don't know Stenton as well, and I know something happens when I crit. Oh, I roll an extra damage die. Yeah, brutal critical. Yes. So where's my 12? And actually, since you are at thir uh, 14th level, you get two additional dice. So here's how we're going to rule that, right? You get the max damage, but instead of rolling your weapon damage one more time, you're going to roll it three more times. Okay. So... It's 1d12 plus 6, which is 18, right? 18 plus 3d12. Because of brutal critical. Eleven. An extra eleven. Those did not sound like good rolls on those d12. One was a one and one was a two. So that puts us at 29. Yes. When I tell you this thing has one hit point left. Well, that's good because I get to attack twice every turn. <laughs> okay, good. Well, you're going to have to because this thing is barely hanging on by a thread. Uh, <laughs> like, so like now... you, cleave, you cleave through this thing. When I tell you it's literally being held on by like literal threads of like, like these tiny little like 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 almost like brass joints are the only thing keeping this thing together as almost its entire facade has started to fall off. Here comes the next one. I was gonna say this would be this would be the nat one spot right here. This would be it. But it you had advantage on this one too. No, no, it's only my first attack. It says when you, oh yeah, your first attack, okay. Yeah, on my turn. So my first attack, and then if I get attacked, they're at advantage. But, it says, doing, but it says doing so gives you advantage on melee weapon attack rolls using your strength, the, using strength during this turn. The For all strength-based melee attack rolls for the turn. Okay, cool. Well, uh... You can only choose to make it reckless when you declare the first attack. You can't be, swing once and then be like, I want my second one to be reckless. Um, okay. So, so yeah, the second attack is also at advantage. Well. 26. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, think, I think that is plenty. It's a pretty great axe. Uh, a nine. Well, like I said, it had one hit point left, so. Um, I feel like maybe if I if I put the axe into him the first time, 
you're telling me I like almost cut him in half. I yeah, didn't even much. swing again. I just kind of like, you know, if you like cutting through something, and you're like, you got to give it that last little. Yeah. Yeah. I just like, <laughs> I just <laughs> that like, was it. I just like, hang extra, yeah. right, right through the outside. Right. Good job. Well done. Um, and is his buddy within 10 feet of me? Yes. Cool. Um, <laughs> he gets fire damage or something, I think. I'm a psych. I'm a that's lunatic. Only, that's, only, that's only when you're raging. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah, like you're talking about the aura, yeah. 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 Okay. Anything else, Denton? No, I'm good. All right. Um, now, uh, like I say, totally didn't mess up before. It's now the actual enemy's turn. Um, so number two is the only one alive, and it has the acid arrow effect. So go ahead and roll those um, 2d4 there. That's another four do damage. Another four damage. See, look at all the damage you just did. It just some of it was delayed. Yeah. He's used to playing Jarrell. He's like, why didn't I just kill this in one turn? Like, what's going on? Um, all right. Uh, well, number two is the only one alive, and it is still fixated on our dwarf and friend. And will attempt to knock you out. Ooh, yeah, I think a 22 will hit you. Yes, it will. So you take... Man, these guys are rolling like shit on their damage. You take seven bludgeoning damage. Plus 11 force damage. And you have to make a saving... A constitution saving throw, please. Which I believe as a monk at 14th level, you actually have proficiency in every single saving throw. So this should probably be child's play. Yeah, and I can just reroll them if I fail. It's not an area attack. But Diamond Soul, I'm proficient with all saves. I can reroll a failed save once by spending a key point. Oh my god, amazing. <laughs> yep, go for it. I mean, I'm you know, going to try to roll it first. So Constitution, you said? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be using a key point. <laughs> No, you're not even going to tell me the result. Okay. Well, I rolled a two, so... <laughs> two on the die? Yeah, okay. Thirteen? Thirteen, unfortunately, fails. And you are knocked unconscious for the next minute. Me and this dice are not friends today. You can repeat the saving throw at the end of each of your turns. All right. It gets a good knockout punch, and then it, it immediately starts running and moves 30 feet. Or let's see, who's far? Yeah, it starts running towards the dew because you hit him with acid. Okay, but I, I am still like probably 20 feet above it. Just so it. Oh, knows. right. You're flying. You fucking <laughs> asshole. Right. Uh, I take that back. It starts running towards Arasatra. Arasatra, you said you had moved closer, correct? 
It's now in your face. Yeah, I moved, uh, yeah, I moved 30 feet up, so I was only 15 feet away from the action. It is now, yeah, it's now in your face, ready to punch you. If it ever gets another turn, which it might not. But now you are within five feet of it, Arasatra, and it is your turn. This thing is, like, sputtering and, like, just, just wildly swinging itself around. Oh, it, even even though it seems to be alive, it is rather lifeless in its, like, you know, in the sort of face that's been carved into its brass sort of body. I'm going to move that moonbeam. A total of 60 feet. So I don't know how far away it was from number three to where he is in front of me. No, I think you can move it. Well, I want to move 60 feet. I want to zigzag across this MFR and let him take damage every time. I don't think that that's how it works, but I love it. You can, however, move it onto this again and have it repeat, you know, the save for the damage. Yep, yep. it's going to have to make a constitution save. It net once. Awesome. I have 23 damage. 40, 40 ton. It takes 23. Radiant. Okay. Doesn't look so good. This thing is like literally sizzling and starting to fall apart. Uh, as a bonus action, I'm going to use my racial trait, hidden step, and go invisible. Oh, shit. I can do this once per long or short rest. All right, perfect. You it's are now my, invisible. <laughs> I found my bonus action. You are now invisible. You are free to disengage if you like. So, yeah. I can't yeah. see you anymore. Then I will move closest to the dwarf. Just, yeah, just sidestep right around this thing that ran up to you. And now you're, yeah, let's say you make it right next to Dwonk. Yeah. Okay. Uh, speaking of which, Dwonk, you're unconscious. Could you go ahead and make me another constitution saving throw, please? Nice. That's better. Uh, that would be a 20. Okay. Yeah, you are conscious again. Excellent. But just prone. And that's the end of your turn. You wake up. Arion Black. Arion's shoulders kind of settle a little bit, and he turns his head over his shoulder, seeing the uh, one automata who's uh, gone and dashed away from him and towards Arasatra. Where do you think you're going? Uh, flicks his uh, left hand and shoots uh, three bolts of Eldritch Blast from it. Eldritch Blast, baby, let's go. The best cantrip. What are you shaking your head for, James? I can hear Felix somewhere in the multiverse giggling because someone else is casting Eldritch Blast. You know it, brother. Blast. You think all their tips get frosty when Eldritch Blasts get fired off? <laughs> so the first one is going to be a 12 against armor class. A 12 does not do it. Second, there we go, is a 29. That definitely does it. And the third one's going to be a 22. Mm-hmm. 
All right, so each of those is 1d10 force damage. So let's see. We got 5, and we have 10, so 15 total. Oh, this thing is also hanging on by a thread. Two big hits just, like, knock it from side to side. Um, and it, it, it twists to face you now oh, that its wait a original second. target is gone. Um... I'm waiting a second. Yeah, let's see if it's in within five feet, but I don't know if spell attacks count for sneak I don't attack. I want to take think a look so. at that though. Yeah, I don't think you can get sneak attack conferred to spells. I'm pretty sure I don't, but hey, you know what? It doesn't cost me anything to take the briefest. Yeah. You whoops. can sneak attack with a spell if that spell involves making an attack with a finesse or ranged weapon. Oh, well, there we go. Uh, that is neither finesse or range, so uh, that's just its damage. Uh, let's see. Um, bonus action, uh, dash, disengage, or hide. Um, yeah, why not? Um, we'll bonus action for the dash and uh, do the uh, Michael Myers advance in the other direction. <laughs> Sounds good. Did you? Would you like to uh, finish this off? I'll try. Yep, I'll try. Um, let's see what I want to use this time. Sorry, my eyes watering. That's all right. Was there no attack of opportunity? Fred. From, from what? He dashed in the opposite direction. Oh, but he blasted it. He wasn't right next to it. Yeah, and he uh, dashed towards it. it. He's he's trying to move closer to it now. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, I will use the Max's Earth and Grasp and a giant, well, pretty big hand, medium hand, uh, made of like dirt and stone around it. Yeah, I remember this. I remember this spell. Yeah, where he like try to reaches up from the ground to try to grab it. Yeah, you see like some of the stones from this plaza just like right. completely give way, and this massive earthen hand just reaches out from underneath. It has to make a save, right? Yep. Strength save. Um, I believe it's, yeah, it's a strength save against my DC of 17, right? Yeah, it uh, gets a 16. Oh, so I got it. And I do 2d6 bludgeoning damage to it. Um, I'm not going to make you roll, because at a minimum, you deal 2 damage. Okay. So it's dead. <laughs> so, uh, I, uh, Bigsby's hand just crushes it like a tin can. Yep, and again, those the souls from within evaporate, and you can sort of see just this 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 misty sort of like greenish white, like greenish white float, substance. Yeah, float towards the <laughs> pillar of light in the distance, and uh, we're safe for now. We are out of initiative, and your new dwarven friend question mark um, is just kind of. Waking up from being knocked out. Arasatra will drop invisibility and and kind of like help sit up this dwarf. Well, uh, were you, how how close to me were you when you just suddenly dropped invisibility? Right next to you. Uh, so uh, Dwonk immediately slaps this person that appears out of nowhere and sort of roll somersaults away a little bit. And then picks up 
the keg and starts drinking it almost the way that you'd expect like a very young child to start nursing a bottle. It's Looks okay. Looks at the keg and then realizing it's empty goes, oh, zap fist and starts drinking it again. It's okay. It's okay. They're gone. You can come with us. Who are you? I'm Dwonk. Dwonk, my name is Arasatra. These are the heroes of, uh, oh, the interns of the heroes of Telduria. No, not even a question on the name. <laughs> I'm Dwonk. On, 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 on hearing the heroes of Telduria, though, Dwonk eyes up uh, Ar- Arasutra. Arasatra. Arasatra. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and says, uh, Talduria, that, that sounds like, do you know Captain Quinn? Yes, yes, of course. He's, he's our, he's our captain. Our airship is docked up over on that tower. Um, I took my Boris. I'm coming with ya. Oh, oh, oh yes, of course. Uh, I'm sure she'll be happy to see you. Uh, everyone, please. We're trying to fix the airship and we need to get some repairs done. We stumbled across you, of course. <sighs> Sorry. Uh, are you okay? Do you need some healing? I I slap him on the back with my hammer fist and say, I'm fine, let's let's go fix things and wave my hammer around in the air. So what am I looking at here? Is this an yeah. arm? Like a forearm or so the like, entire arm? Actual arm is there to just below the elbow. And then, okay. like, you kind of lose it in, like, monk robes, but you see, like, a leather strap, like, just below where, you know, forearm should be, basically. Like, just below the elbow. And then there's just hammer where the rest should be arm. Describe the hammer. Is it wood or is it, like... No, it's, it's like it, almost like a blacksmith's like 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 blacksmith's like forging hammer. Yeah. Oh. Wow. So blunt and then kind of like a pike on the back side. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Arasatra, she's she's like a seven <laughs> seven foot eight furbolg with red hair, and she's covered in like you know green robes and stuff. So green she's robes. Got this big staff. Yeah. Yeah. Green <laughs> robes. <laughs> I so like she's a joke. You're the tried to explain it to you. You're the second dwarf of this team. That's great. The heroes are off doing their thing right now. In fact, I'm not sure what they're doing. But uh, we're just here to to get the airship up and running. We'd love your help. Just then, as you say, we'd love your help. Another one of those big streaks of light, those big bolts of energy you know, that were flying out from that, that cylinder of light in the bay. Um, you see it streaking straight towards you, and it hits a group of the um, some of the pirates that are in, like, like a plaza just, just, just down the ways from you. And you can see as it impacts, right, again, no actual damage to any structures, but you can see as it touches the mortal flesh... All of the pirates drop dead. 
and you can almost see like these like wispy sort of like 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 wispy energy raise up from their bodies and carry out towards the set the cylinder in the center of the bay. We have to hurry. It's not safe here. This is is very disturbing. I'm not really sure what's happening. And with that, you have a decision. You you, you know, I mean, you have you have your you have your 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 course set. Ariane Black was, you know, mentioning he was going to essentially lead the way to be the shepherd for once here and um, take you guys to potentially where all the leaders of the world are being held to, you know, make sure that that situation's all settled because it's not like you're going to be repairing an airship in the middle of a fight. Um, so that's kind of your direction from here, but unfortunately the path is perilous. And I guess we're going to have to find out what happens next week on the Hapless Heroes. So anyways, uh, hey, thanks for listening. Um, you know, appreciate you bearing with us as we kind of have to improv our way through some story exposition uh while we are down a few cast members so we hope you're enjoying yourselves you know as we check back in on you know the calamity and catastrophe that's happening in the mortal realm while our main party deals with godly things and tries to figure out how to unfuck what's happening right here right now um, but if you like us, you can find us on the internet. We can be on, found on such places as Twitter and Instagram. Just search, just go to at, or look for at Hapless Heroes. We're on Facebook and Reddit. Just look for Hapless Heroes Podcast. Most of those places, though, really, they're going to point you to where we do the vast majority of our socializing, and that is our Discord server. Uh, you can meet, interact with us, have all kinds of wacky conversations. I occasionally create discussion threads for random things, whether it be rules lawyering for D&D or talking about food crimes. I'm looking at you. Watermelon pizza. Watermelon Yum. pizza. Oh my god. But anyways, you can join us and talk about some things and uh, yeah, it's a great community. We've really, you know, it just keeps kind of growing and it, it, it makes me quite happy to see all the wonderful people in there interacting and you know just talking about literally everything but if you really like us we'd appreciate it if you let us a five-star review on the podcast service of your choice we don't even know what podcast service services offer reviews anymore but if yours has that option we would love for you to leave one and then we will try to find it and read it on air to recognize you as the five-star human being that you are other other ways you can reach out to us though to tell us how much you love the show you can email us at haplessheroesgmail.com and our discord server even has a five star channel where you can post your feelings about this show and uh, we promise we'll read them and acknowledge the wonderful person you are now if you really 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 like us though you can donate to our patreon it's just patreon.com slash haplessheroes variety of rewards if you've been listening for a while you've heard me say it a million times we got bloopers behind the scenes audio extra hedrick content extra like you know james's notebook from the first hundred episodes which is to be quite fair um extreme even for the internet uh, <laughs> no no but I, all kidding aside you know we just tried to kind of collect whatever we possibly could to give back to y'all because you guys have helped us keep the show running we just paid our hosting costs for the second year in a row with donations alone which makes me just like i mean i'm just over the moon so happy we really appreciate you thank you so so much 
if you like us, right now you like us, Sally Field and the whole deal. For fuck's sake, go get vaccinated. Easy, simple. In fact, you know what? Like, that's probably the best way you can show us that you really, really love us. And then I stand firm on that. Tell all your friends. You tell them to do it. You tell them the hapless heroes sent you. In the vaccination clinic, then stand up and scream, I love hapless heroes. Yes, there we go. Perfect. Love it. All right, well, I guess nothing left for me to do besides outro this wacky cast for you starting on my virtual right this time. We had James as Stenton Crossbreeze. I cut that thing in half. Phil as Arasatra. I wonder if Dwonk is a family name. <laughs> Nicole as Dwonk. I'm only a little Dwonk next to this giant. <laughs> John as Dr. Dedu. Ah, getting all the hubbub, I almost dropped a sausage. Mm, delicious. And Dave as the edgy, mysterious Arion Black. Sleep tight. And I'm Francesco. I've been your host and DM. We'll see you next week for another internet or another interns episode before we return to your regularly scheduled programming. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye. Bye.